0: Hi there. Welcome to Lakeridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Um, We're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to uh, pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. this morning uh, we're going to talk um, a little bit about peace uh, as we are on a sermon series that we've named Shalom and and we've called it a journey through peace and and um, I think and I think Pres- pastor Preston kind of talked a little bit about it, but but one of the things that we do when we try to put together sermon series and topics and these things is we we do it actually quite a few months ago and 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 we don't always know what exactly is going to be happening in the context of our country, in the context of our church, in the context of our own individual lives, like, like the Puteaux's got COVID and some of those things. And yet it seems that God continually lines up these topics that helps us to think a little bit more about how involved he is still in our present day story. So the fact, that we are in the middle of a sermon series called Shalom, A Journey Towards Peace, when, when to be honest with you, it doesn't feel that peaceful right now, does it? There's some challenges in our country that are going on, and we don't know those challenges were necessarily going to be happening. But we do believe that God has led us kind of into this space. What does it look like for us to experience His peace? And so I'm going to trust that. I'm going to trust that what God has placed in front of us in terms of a topic this morning might be something that is to speak to each of us in whatever part of our story or whatever we've come into this space with this morning. All right? So um, I do think that peace or shalom is kind of an interesting deal when we think about it and we talk about it. Because peace is like, it's something we aspire towards as followers of Jesus, that we might experience the peace of Christ in our life. But it's also something, like it is a gift that God gives. But it's actually also something that we practice. We actually practice peace. Just think about that for a second. That you practice how to experience peace in your life, in your story. However it is that you do that. And there are all kinds of different things that we, we can do to practice that. For the purposes of this morning, and we've done a theme of each shalom or each peace topic, we, we're going to look at the, the topic of peace through the lens of generosity. How do we come to experience peace as we practice generosity? What does that what does that look like? So we're going to dive a little bit into that. And maybe that freaked you out just now. I think any time that the pastor gets up to preach on generosity, it can be a, a, it can make your, your heart, you know, jump a, a little bit. And I, I just want I'm hoping that you can you can pray and and experience a little bit of peace. Here, here's some things I want to I want to share. The first thing is this: Gregory Spencer says that love is the parent virtue of generosity. Love is a resource that doesn't diminish when it's used. I'll read that again. Love is the parent virtue, the parent virtue of generosity. Love is a resource that doesn't diminish when used. It's not like the gas tank on your car. That when you drive too much, goes empty, and then if, you, if, if you've noticed, you have to go and fill it up, and it costs you a. Overinflated price right now, right? Like, is anybody else feeling like that? You go to the tank and the gas station, and it's like, oh, this is not peace giving at all. Well, 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 grace. Sorry, sorry. Love and generosity aren't necessarily connected like that. In fact, love when it is given away as the parent, as the parent of generosity, love when it's given away actually grows. It expands. It's one of the ways that you're lungs even, right? Your lungs practice taking in air. For some of us, your lungs practice taking in air. And it expands them and it grows them. And generosity is a lot, is a lot like that. Even when we unpack this story that Preston read for us from Matthew 26, it's like we we see this woman who, who physically pours out this expensive perfume. Right? And as she pours out the expensive perfume, the 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 intellect of some of those who were present there takes over, right? And the the intellect is, don't pour that out. Don't waste that. It could be sold. And the money could be used for something even better, right? And yet, yet in the story, what we see actually is that she is pouring out her love for Jesus. This pouring of this Physical perfume, this thing that she owns, was an act of love. It was an act of worship. It was a, an act of adoration of God. In a lot of ways, that's what that's why we would define worship. That worship is actually the response that we give back towards God for the goodness of his abundance. It's not just singing, it's not just reading scripture or praying, it's not just those things. It is the pouring back of the good gifts and the abundance of God and how He's poured that out on us. It means it can be done inside of this room when we sing and we do these things together. But it also can be done outside of this room. That your act of worship can be your response to the world. Sorry, your response to God's love towards even the world as we love it. Okay, so. Think about that a little bit. And yet, here she is. She doesn't even know actually what she's doing in the story. Right? Jesus actually points out after she has spilled this perfume out on him that actually she's there anointing his body. I kind of wonder about that. Just put yourself in that. If she had known that she was there anointing Jesus' body for burial, I wonder if she would have done it more reverently. You ever think of that? That actually, if if God was in control and God knew what was happening, would you find that fascinating? That there was an irreverence, a pouring out of all the perfume, all of it, on Jesus as an act of anointing his body for burial. She didn't know what she was doing. She didn't know that that was Her role in the story. And Jesus actually says, because she has done this generous thing, because she has done this thing, we will remember her for the rest of time. And here we are, a few thousand years later, still talking about the generosity of this woman who poured out the valuable thing she had. Kind of an interesting way of thinking about it. Right? I think that at times we need to be actually reminded... Of the gifts that we have, in the people that we have present with us, in those that we love, even in the communities that we are a part of. Right? Jesus says, even in that story, right? Well, the poor will always be among you, but I will only be here a short period of time. He was essentially saying, life is short, life is fragile. And so let's not, let's not discourage this person from doing what she wants and believes she's called to do in terms of generosity. So he says that. He speaks that truth to her. I was thinking this morning that, that it's 25 years ago this spring that, that I, I lost uh, my best friend um, growing up. He, he died suddenly of an asthma attack. His name was Eric. Hence why one of my children's name is Erica. Erica is named after him. And, and, and it was an earth-shattering experience for me. It was a difficult, difficult experience for me. And to be honest with you, in so many ways, the grief of Eric's loss changed me. It changed the way that I see the world. It changed the way I wanted to even interact with the world. It changed so many things, right? Like like for me, one of the things that it changed is that I did realize that actually life is shorter than we might think. He was 24 years old, right? Life is shorter than we might think. Life is fragile, right? It's also not always as long as we think it might be. I think we're all experiencing a little bit of our, our humanness these days. I think COVID has brought some of that up for us a little bit in it. Right? And, and it changed even the way that I wanted to live out my life towards the rest of the world. That I wanted to be the kind of person that wasn't holding back the good things that I believed God was asking me to offer others. And, and, and I haven't been always awesome at that. But it is one of the things that I deeply, deeply want to be about. I want people to know that I have given my best towards the world and to others. Anybody else feel like that? We have to practice that though, don't we? We have to practice those things. And and this, this woman in the story, right, she doesn't know the future. She doesn't understand what is taking place, but yet she chooses to take this opportunity to pour out generously, not knowing that it was actually going to be one of the last times she would see Jesus. Never mind, get an opportunity to interact with Jesus. And she took the opportunity. Friends, I think we need to be reminded to take the opportunity to do good things, to be generous towards those around us and in our streets and on our workplaces and the other places where we go. All right. I also have some other things I want to say about generosity. All right. So so this is the point where you should get really afraid that Pastor Evan's about to start talking about money. So I don't know if you were sitting there and you just you felt like your palms just got sweaty and maybe you you clenched up, you know, your fists. I don't know if that's you. But but I'm going to ask you to just 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 hang with me for a second because we're going to talk about generosity, hopefully, a little bit differently today. And I'm going to start actually by by referring to our values. That one of the One of the things at Lake Ridge, you know, 11, 12 years ago, when we sat down to start thinking, well, who do we want to be? What do we want to aspire to be at Lake Ridge? Was that one of the values, you can see them up here, community story, worship, and generosity. That that we wanted to be a people of generosity. And it was way more than a fancy trick to get people to give financially. Way more than that. And I actually want to read for you, I'm going to read for you the long Definition of what this small group of people a decade and some ago got together and agreed to. Doesn't mean that we have been perfect at any one of these values along the way, but it is something we aspire to be. We don't put the things we aspire to be out there. We will never get there, will we? So I'm going to read it for you. Actually, I'm going to invite you to follow along uh, because it's going to be behind me. It's a longer version of of our value of generosity. So hang with me while I read it. i I got some things I I think would be great for us to share. It goes like this. We believe that we have a generous God. God's own Son, Jesus, was a gift to this and His creation. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. See, Jesus demonstrated to us a life of generosity by giving us his time, his talent, and his treasure. In the end, he gave his very life for our spiritual freedom. So we hold generosity as a value by choosing to live liberally with our time, our talents, and our treasure to serve others, being good stewards of all that God has given. Our prayer is that in doing so, all of the resources of God will be available to do this work of the kingdom. Not only in our community, but around the world. That's what we're we're looking for. In other words, generosity is not the end result we're looking for. It's the means to which we get there. You hear that? Generosity is not the end result. It is the means to which we are shaped by God. And we love God others. It's the means to which we do it. Now, years ago, I was at a conference. It was a generosity conference. Weird. It was actually at the same time we were writing some of our values. And, and one of the speakers said something that was so surprising to me that I've never forgotten it. He said that he believed, and I agree with him, that generosity is the new evangelism. Generosity is the new event. It is the way we demonstrate His love, God's love, to the world. That actually in the process of learning to be generous, we are being evangelists. I don't know if you're a good evangelist. Anybody else a good evangelist here? Yeah, none? Anybody else have have guilt or shame around being a really terrible evangelist? Like, come on, there we go. Okay, right? And yet here in this quote, quote, is to say actually learning to be generous is to learn to share the good news of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, of Christ. To learn to be generous. Kind of an interesting way of looking at it. Alright, so for the last half of this message, I'm going to do some rapid-fire things at you. Okay? I'm going to give you some different ways that we could see and understand generosity. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Maybe you're sitting with your hands clenched maybe you're not I'm going to ask you to consider what it looks like for us to have an open handed God that actually when you and I come before God in whatever sense we do that whether that's in the prayer at home or here in this space or or even someday in eternity that actually the posture that we will see God demonstrate towards us Is not a clenched fist posture. But an open handed. Palms out posture. The kind of posture that demonstrates the abundance of God. That we may struggle. With how we use love. And how we live out generosity in our life and story. But he doesn't. That actually when God looks at you. He pours out his abundance on you. His love never fails and never ceases. It does not run out. We don't think about that very often. But I think it's an important thing for us to consider. You have an abundant God. Palms out. So as we talk about some of these things, maybe just think about that. Right? How do we do this? All right. Our generosity is a way of us reflecting God's, lo- God's love to others. And it is not, and this is I want to be very clear, it is not dependent on the circumstances or size of your bank account. Your generosity, the measure of your generosity, has little to do with the size of your bank account. And so we're going to talk about some other ways that we can be generous. All right. Here we go, ready? Uh, we, we're going to have some quick, we have quick things? There, that's the one we're looking. All right, so I'm going I'm to say the word, and then I'm going to give you a quick definition, and we're just going to do my best to rapid fire through these. Okay? First way, all right? Generosity of spirit. Now you can be generous, have a generosity of spirit. This is a general acceptance uh, to others, towards others. It is to live a yes-ness. a desire to give of ourselves to others. Hopefully, hopefully every person in this room has at least one person in your life that has at one point, time or another, come to you open-handed, palms up, ready to be generous of their spirit towards you. Right? Ready to accept us. Ready to embrace us. Can we be that for others? A generosity of spirit is a yesness to the person in front of you. It is to live that out with your posture in life. All right, to be generous-minded. This, this refers to our desire to give others the benefit of the doubt. To give others the benefit of the doubt. To reserve judgment. To be even mindful that everyone sits next to a pool of tears. They may not be able to admit that. They may not even know that. But they do. Each one of us in this space today has things going on. Each one of us. No one is exempt from it. How can we learn to be generous with our generous-minded, to give each other the benefit of the doubt? Right. It is essentially to choose... To value that everyone is a child of God, not just Theo and our kids who sat up there, but all of us. Right? Might that change the way we interact? Might that change even the way we think about others? Generous-hearted. To be generous-hearted is relating to our emotional giving. Right? Romans 12, 12, 15 says, right, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. It is essentially to say, can we be so generous-hearted that we allow our emotions to experience life with others? Right? Not just can we know what somebody else is going through or experiencing, but can we sympathize? Can we join them in that experience, knowing that that is going to cost us something emotionally? It's going to cost us something to love each other, isn't it? Oh, to be generous-hearted. It is to learn to celebrate with those who are celebrating and, and to mourn and suffer with those who are suffering. It is also to learn to forgive so that not just they may be free, but that we may be free as well. Remember, Jesus came for spiritual freedom, his sacrifice, his generous act, his palms out act was an act of generosity. It was an open heartedness. I've, I've defined this and lots of you have heard this from me before. But forgiveness, and the way I like to define it is this. The forgiveness is accepting the burden that someone else has placed on you. To learn to forgive somebody is to accept the burden that someone else has placed on you. It is for their sake. But the byproduct is that you don't have to carry it anymore. Either. So I think about that. What does it mean for us to be generous hearted? Generous of speech. Um, this has to do with making making good word decisions. I read this out of a book. Like, not even a sentence, making good word decisions. For the sake of constructive support. Right? Not one of us in this room has not been harmed by a harsh word. Not one of us in this room hasn't been built up by an encouraging one. There's two sides to that, right? Generosity of speech, right, is to remember how powerful your words are to build up others. You have power. You have that in you. I just read this quote out of the same book. It's been been a great little book. (laughs) It says, flattery is cheap. Flattery is cheap, but generous, truthful encouragement is life changing. In other words, we don't need to flatter each other with silly words. Right? That are that are temporary, but that yet we can learn to use our words generously and truthfully and encourage life Change and transformation in others. What does it look like to be generous of speech? All right, conversational generosity. I haven't heard this one before. Conversational generosity is giving your ear, it's actually giving your ear to listen well. And it's probably um, one of the highest forms of, of generosity. You hear me? conversational generosity is probably one of the highest forms of generosity. To learn to listen, to attend to another person's story, by asking questions, by letting others, even vent, even vent can encourage as much as it can compliment them. In other words, if you listen really well to somebody, you may not have to come up with a list of compliments for them. The very act of listening is an act of generosity. you hear me? It's an act of generosity. Right? Listening wholeheartedly is the quote that goes with it. Listening wholeheartedly requires that we relinquish our power over the other. It is to be generous even with your power to listen to others. Yeah, sometimes I've been really great at that. Sometimes not so much. That moment we got to be gracious and generous towards ourselves even too, right? Be good to yourself. We all have struggled in all of these different things. Generosity of time. This is this has to do with patience, okay? Uh, in North America, we have a culture that is actually not designed for patience. Anyone agree? Actually, I would say that in North America, we, we, uh, we would actually probably value efficiency more than anything. In fact, we're an efficiency-based culture. We value it. And I'm not saying that efficiency is bad. I, 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 I'm actually really not saying that. But I, what I am saying is that when we strive sometimes for efficiency first, we also need to be mindful that it might be at the cost of one of our other values and that's one of those kind of tricky things for us generosity of time might um, just be the most important value related to God's desire for us to experience peace right generosity of time might just be one of the most important ones when it comes to actually experiencing peace in particular God's peace are we generous enough to slow down and even listen for God's voice one of the things I heard a long time ago um, was, you know, some of your best friends are the people that you're willing to, to waste time with. you ever thought of that? Actually, the people that you waste time with, they typically are the people that are closest to you in your life. I wonder about that. Like, maybe there's a negative way of saying but I'll say it anyways. Like, have you wasted time with Jesus lately? Have you just... Given him the opportunity to just be with him. No agenda. No list of prayer items. But to actually spend time with God. Be generous with your time. What does that look like? How could we do that? Practicing generosity of your time requires slowing down. It does require uh, and create space for us to hear and listen to God. It leaves room for prayer. Right? This is what's interesting. I I have rarely mess I have rarely met a stressed out prayer. Weird. It's a mystic thing. Just throw it out there. I really do think it's one of the gifts when we give God time, we pray. That God gives us a sense of peace that we are loved deeply, regardless of all all the other things that are going on in our life. God's peace in that. Just think about it. Now, real quick. Um, Generosity of time over efficiency in your parenting, in your marriage, in your friendship. Friendships, right, it creates a deeper level of peace in those relationships. I think it's one of the reasons why so many stay-at-home moms are an anomaly to me, first of all. And they they have a unique way of connecting with Jesus because they have given more than I have towards the love of another. I can say that as a dad. They have a unique connection with this Jesus guy. I'm sure it doesn't feel like a gift all the time for them, but it is a gift. (laughs) Right, Shay? Probably not all the time. Fair enough. Think about that. Generosity of possessions. Well, this is exactly what it sounds like. Be generous with our possessions is to acknowledge that our possessions are God-given. How many lawnmowers are on your street? This is an example. <laughs> think about that. How many lawnmowers would be on your street? Would you? I, let's let's just take a guess. Probably one for every home. Like, maybe somebody's got a lawnmower service. But just think about that. How long does it take you to mow your lawn? Throw this out. Hour? Two hours? How many days in a week? How many hours in a week? you ever considered sharing a lawnmower with somebody? It's ridiculous that we all have to have our own lawnmower. (laughs) Just think about that. Let's throw that out for us to think about. It's just one of those things I, I was thinking when I was writing this. I was like, yeah. You know, we, all, we all like our own things, our own possessions. We, we think they're ours. But what does it look like for us to learn to be, be generous with our possessions, even? Dr. Mano, a friend of ours from Haiti, he's been here. We're, we're actually hoping to have him come visit again real soon. And, uh, and he said something to me, and he's a Haitian doctor. And he has lived in a, in a poverty, in a, in a space of poverty his whole life. And this is why this quote, I think, shocked me and changed the way that I see about this. And I, I've never forgotten it. He says to me, and he said that to me, I was frustrated with him, he borrows out his truck all the time, and the roads in Haiti are bad, and when it's not your truck, people don't treat it the same way as you would your own thing. And I was frustrated with him that we were having to spend money fixing his truck all the time. And I said to him, why do you keep borrowing it out? And he looked me dead in the eye and just said, you know what, Evan? I have learned that I can live without anything. Therefore, I can be generous with everything. And it was like I had been stabbed in the heart. How could that not be more true? And coming from him, it meant something so much more significant. I have learned that I can live without anything. Therefore, I can be generous with everything. A few years ago, somebody asked me if they could borrow my truck. I said, absolutely, you could borrow my truck. I happened to be in Haiti. Well, he was borrowing my truck. I haven't seen my truck since. It's gone. Okay, so I'll just put that out there. He started my truck on the driveway. Somebody took advantage of the generosity, and truck gone. Okay, so, but but I, I tell that as a joke because he's in this room, and i uh, and uh, We definitely have worked this out, so it's all forgiven, mostly. And, uh, but here's what was interesting. I, I tell you this not because I want to pick on the person. <laughs> I hope you all are going to find out who it is. I really do, actually. But when he called me to tell me that my truck had disappeared off of his driveway, I was in Haiti. I was in Haiti. And, oh, boy. Does that change the way you respond and the way you experience having your truck stolen? It changed me. It changed me. And I'm I'm just saying, he's borrowed my truck since, my new truck. (laughs) And I would give it to him again in a second. And I would trust that he wouldn't leave it unlocked running on the driveway. Anyways... (laughs) Couldn't help Absolutely good. help Right? We learn things by being generous and practicing these kinds of things. Right? I have learned that I can live without anything and therefore I can be generous with everything. Oh, man, we could learn a lot about that. Right? What does that look like? Here's a couple quick ones. Generous with your home. Right? Open-handed, open-homed. Open-handed, open I know that's a little tricky these days with COVID what does it look like for us to have an open heart towards our, uh, with our home? Here's a good one. Generosity of receiving. Learning to receive the generosity of others with gratitude is just as important as learning how to be generous. Just as important. In fact, uh, I would say this. If you can't learn to receive a gift, your giving will always have a pinch of pride in it. If you can't learn how to receive a gift, your giving will always have a pinch of pride in it. So I'm just, I'll just leave it at that. Generous with our finances. There are lots of other forms of, of generosity, but I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here. Generosity of finances. Surprisingly, I hope you have heard that I'm going to say very little about finances. Very, very little. If we can learn, if we can learn to practice all those other forms, all those other forms of giving, I guarantee you our financial giving will take care of itself. I guarantee it. To live out of the abundance of God is to recognize that you have a God who comes to you palms out, ready to receive. It'll take care of itself. Friends, I hope... Um, that you have sensed today. That our value of generosity. Is not God's cheap way of getting. You to pry open your wallets and give. That is not. What God. Has ever asked of you. He calls us to live. Generously. Live out that posture towards the world. It is an invitation. To a life of peace. A life. of where the circumstances of your bank account do not determine the capacity to which you can be generous. Godly generosity. It is, not, it is not connected to the size of your bank account. If that is a guilt you have been carrying ever, I suggest you set it down. It is not one that God gave you. That is a, not a God-given guilt. God calls us to live a life of generosity towards others. It's not circumstantial to to, to your financial situation. What does it look like for us to live out the abundance of God who has come to you and I open-handed the deep, deep desire to give us everything he has including his son's life. It really went to great measures for us to hear that. Great, great measures. Right? My suggestion is that we do that. I think we'll find the shalom of God, the peace of God in our everyday lives. We'll spill out some perfume this week. Spill out some perfume this week on people. Live an open-handed story this week. Right? Do it for those who deserve it and do it for those who don't deserve it. Do it because it will change what's happening inside of you. Do it because you will experience the peace of Christ in your life and story as you do it. Do it because we have a God who has done it for you and for me. Let's do it for those reasons. An abundant God who's poured himself out for us. Do it because it is not about the end goal, but it is the means to which we will get there as the people of God in this city and in this town. Amen? You all, amen. He's finally done. Let me pray. God, thank you for the gift. Thank you for the gift of your presence among us. Thank you for your abundant love, for the way that you all come to each of us with open arms, arms full of your abundance, ready to pour out all these good things upon us. God, for your peace, we pray. We ask you to continue to teach us about generosity so that we might be able to experience your peace, but also be a peaceful place for others. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand and receive the benediction? So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord pour out His countenance upon you, His abundance upon you, and give you His peace. As you go from this place, living out the generosity of God. Amen? Go and worship this week.